The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa. Welcome to Business is Boring. Here's a fun fact. The fastest growing part of the alcohol market today is the non-alcohol category. Over the last few years, non-alcoholic beers, cocktails in a can and other drinks have gone from a fringe idea to having their own shelving in the supermarkets and the products are serving and helping drive a movement to reconsider how we drink, how much we drink and the centrality of drinking to our socialising relationships and lives. One man has mirrored this big societal journey in his own life. Grant Kaunter worked in beer for some of the biggest players worldwide and moved to Amsterdam to help Heineken Global understand and grow craft beer. Along the way, he looked at his own drinking and decided to stop. And while there were great choices in Europe for a non-drinker, on returning home, he found a big hole in the market. This led him to start State of Play, an award-winning range of non-alc beers in craft styles that are now found nationally and selling like hotcakes. To talk the journey, the change for him and all of us, Grant Gaunter joins us now. Tanakwe, thank you for being with us today. Kia ora, Simon. Great to be here. Hey, so tell us about your career in beer. You know, big, big old career in beer, right? What, what got you into that world? Oh, I just love beer. Yeah. Just so much. <laughs> yeah, and I probably had a couple of lifetimes of beer uh, I if I go all the way back to um, yeah when I was a teenager, my father always had this crate of Ward's beer in a you know in the garage. That the more I drank, the more it somehow just replenished itself. So his idea was it's better to see the young fella having a beer at home than off doing whatever. So, but like. Everyone my age, we enjoyed beer, we enjoyed rugby. It was part of the fabric of what we did. I worked in pubs all through uni. Uh, went travelling, I worked in pubs of the UK. <laughs> I seemed to follow beer around and, uh, yeah, it was just always a big part of kind of who I was, really. And then craft beer, you had a big role in that. Tell us about that in New Zealand first? Well, if I go back to starting at DB, that was 1996. And the landscape of the beer market back then was it was before the sale of Liquor Act. So it was Lion and DB. It was Lion Red versus DB Draft. That was it. Um, then the sale of Liquor Act happened and all of a sudden uh, you could you could buy beer in restaurants and all of a sudden the innovation um, kicked off. And one of my first jobs at uh, DB was to help launch this tiny little brand called Monteith's, which, which is now like mm. enormous. 
But legit, it was a beautiful little craft brand in the West Coast with big open fermenters, coal-fired boilers. It was totally legit. And the thought of having a beer that was a style, this was only early 2000s. Um, That was the beginning. And then you had Max, of course, doing their thing. Early, early, I was like, man, this, this is a better experience that I'm having. We're talking about beer. We're in new bar environments that are more fun to be in. You know, five years earlier, you've got to remember, we had bars where the men went on one side and the woman went on another, you know. So mm-hmm. the transition was really quick and craft beer really pushed the beer movement at a massive trajectory. And it's absolutely bananas, right? Like that beer all across its history was, you know, I think I've talked about this a couple of times across the years on the pod. Like, you know, the idea that every parish and every pub had its own kind of style of beer and you'd make it with whatever botanicals or fruit or whatever was around at the time. And, you know, there was such a variety and and, and such a kind of like flowering of creativity in beer. And then somehow <laughs> we locked it down to just a couple of like um, pretty poor representations of styles and made it all homogenous and generic. Yeah, and that was all people knew. You, you, you look at the way I drank was a subset of how my parents were engaged with alcohol. They would... Tell, tell stories about drinking like fish at 5.59 until 6 o'clock closing and then go drive home with four flagons to keep on going. Like, that's what you did. Uh, the doctor also told you to smoke, you know, and a whole lot of other things. And in one generation, we then discovered premium, uh, which also the... Um, new business units and breweries also enjoyed. And then each generation is, has evolved, you know, again. Yeah, and and wild to think, you know, um, I don't know, Tui, for example, was called a East India Pale Ale or something, <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> like we had beers on the shelves until very recently called things that they were not. And that was just how it was in the state of beer. And then a couple of years later, this great movement of creativity and interest around craft beer. And that's really interesting as well that like you tell us about going to Amsterdam and helping kind of the the Heineken Global operation understand that flowering of craft beer in New Zealand and and how you helped them with that. New, New Zealand is the perfect market for innovation, and 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 that's because we have a, a, a big middle class, there's discretionary, uh, we have a very mature retail environment, and we have a great entrepreneurial spirit and a we-can-do-better type mentality. And the, the ingredients that we have hops, malt, is incredible in comparison to the rest of the world. And 
our ability to innovate quickly, um, to push the boundaries of styles, really sets New Zealand up um, as, as a real innovation hub. And Heineken New Zealand, for many, many, many um, areas of beer, was a real innovation hub for, for, for global. Um, Export 33 was the first low-carb. Montice was one of the biggest to go from micro to macro craft. Um, it developed continual fermentation. There was all these firsts. And the international director, international brands director from Amsterdam came and visited. And he kind of inherited this craft brief for his portfolio, it's so complicated. Like when you're trying to understand it uh, at that high, high level. He came to New Zealand and we drove from Auckland to Wellington. And in the space of that drive, I explained the evolution of craft in New Zealand, uh, how brands evolved, how the consumer progresses on a journey, how there's different uh, clusters of people in each of those jerseys and how the market, I predict, will evolve over the next two, five, ten years. And we got to Wellington. He's like, well, that's a lot simpler than I thought. And I said, well, it is about trends and patterns and it isn't random. And I thought, oh, that was really nice to have that sort of airtime with, with one of the big cheeses. And then three, minute, three months later, he, he phoned up and said, could you come and set a team up in Amsterdam? to build a craft and specialty beer head office a team to then take what you told me from Auckland to Wellington and tell every other Heineken market. So uh, I uh, went home that night and said, honey, I've got some news. And uh, six weeks later, I was in Amsterdam. Mm, amazing. And then along that journey, you, so you're living in Amsterdam, traveling the world, like, you know, at the, at the, at the height of kind of beer, the champion for this craft movement. And then you reconsidered your drinking. Tell, tell me about that decision. How, how hard or easy is that to come to, to think about that when it's so central to your life? You know, the runner Dick Taylor. Mm -hmm. So he was a, a rep that I sat next to in my first week in in Christchurch as a DB rep. And um, I said, hey, you know, young fella, I said, hey, Dick, have you got, like, some advice for me? He said, you'll put 10 kgs on in your first year and one kg every year after that. And we laughed. I was there for 25 years and I got to 145 kilograms. <laughs> he was spot on. And I'd normalised drinking well, I over-normalised over it probably more than most people. And beer was my day job, so that didn't count. So then I'd have a couple of bottles of wine before and after dinner. Uh, and it was just became my habit. And while I was in Amsterdam, you're on the treadmill, you know, the countries, the travel, uh, Drinking on airplanes became a sport for me. It was like, yeah, I'm going to get my value for money. I was a loss leader in the Kauru Lounge for sure. 
And then the lockdown in Amsterdam was instant. March 16th, don't come into the office. 2020, I never went back. Uh, 18 months, never went back to the office. And um, we were the craft guys, so we were the champions of virtual happy hours. Man, I was in that many virtual pubs. It was it was crazy. Um, and I'd look at my watch and go, well, how many steps have I done? Well, I'd hardly crack a thousand. Uh, so happy hour got earlier and earlier. I could, I could see, I couldn't see how it was going to get any better. Like it was quite grim. So much fear. Nothing was in your own control any longer. We couldn't get back to New Zealand. That was shut. There was no indication of even if we wanted to change the state we were in, we couldn't. Three months into it, uh, July 3rd, my wife Nikki and I, we got up. We had had a bit of a bender the night before. And then we said, we're just bored thinking about alcohol. I think we'll stop. Three and a bit years later, I couldn't even think of why I would want another glass of alcohol. How easy or hard was it in the context of your job and professional and personal identity to stick to that? Yeah. Well, it depends how much you want the change. And I got to the point where I really wanted it. I I reckon I was I was down to my last ten years. 145 kgs, resting heart rate mid 70s. I still thought I was I could be an all black, so you know I would run around the block. I was doing 11 and a half minute kilometres. It's horrific. I uh, could see my kids. What kind of example am I giving my um, 17 and 14 year old? The motivation got to the point where my willingness to change exceeded my comfort in keeping my old habits going. So the thought of pissing off my employer, yeah, it didn't count anymore because I could see the change. The change was so quick once I committed. It was 45 kilograms in a year. Um, my heart rate declined to 20, 20 beats a minute. And if you're only born with so many heartbeats, well, maybe there's a few more at the other end now. Um, my son saw what I was doing and they also were in lockdown. They never went back to school. So it was quite easy to have a few packets of M&Ms. He realised he was going down a bad course and he lost some weight and I said, oh, why'd you do that? He goes, well, I saw what you did. And I went, holy shit. Um, I get emotional just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And one of the things in, in those markets with like stopping drinking is you don't actually have to stop the beers, right? Because they've got this great mature non-elk scene as well and you can still go to a pub and you can still get a beer it just happens to not have um you know an addictive uh, neurotoxin poison yeah. carcinogen uh, that Ethanol. changes how you act and uh <laughs> you know what your personal standards are 
at, at high levels in it. Well, and, yeah, t- tell me about the role of that in well, helping. The avenue that I took wasn't about giving up. It wasn't about trading down. Um, I look at the Steinlager billboards last year and it was, here's to tomorrow. I'm like, Hold, you know, when they're trying to promote their zero. Well, what about right now? Because it's quite good now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I went, right, I'm, I'm still going to go to the pub. I'm not going to, I'm still going to go out with my friends. I'm going to do everything that I want to do. I'm going to drink more beer. And I turned up the supermarket in Amsterdam. Instead of looking left, I looked, looked a little bit right and went, holy shit, there is an enormous amount of amazing beers here. So then I started on a, on a zero crusade and I just I just fell in love with beer all over again. I'd sort of fallen a bit out of love when you're in the big corporate machine um, selling as much 6.2 IPA as possible um, because with zero beer, and we'll get into beer a bit, the, the actual like product side of it, but you really taste what's in a zero beer. You don't have any alcohol that um, sort of bleeds and bleedens the flavours from beginning to end you actually get all the ingredients in all their glory. So when you get a good one, you get a really good experience. So once we came out of lockdown um, and, the, and, and the terraces reopened, the bars didn't, but it was summer, Nikki and I had an amazing time. And we had four more hours in the day because we had a thing called a morning. Uh, and... Uh, and the clarity, the fog had lifted. The, the impact of solid drinking year after year is you can just lose overall motivation and you procrastinate because, because change will just is annoying, you know. <laughs> but, man, the flip side is the lease on life for, yeah, the second half, so to speak, it was real. Um, Because you just don't realise how, I didn't realise, you know, man, I was in the game, but I didn't realise how much alcohol was at the core of me, like your original question, you know, it defined me. When I would go to a different market, they would, there would be a team on the other side of of the operating company that would take me out was me against six or seven generally <laughs> to take me down. Mm. That was basically, it was the craft guy from Heineken, Amsterdam. And, you know, I, I was proudly undefeated. Mm. I still look back and go, wow, they were amazing and it defines who I am, uh, but also quite shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we'll be back in a moment to talk about starting state of play in New Zealand and the Zero Elk movement. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way 
to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Okimai ano, welcome back to Business is Boring, where we're with Grant Gaunter of State of Play. So you came back to New Zealand and this kind of whole space of excitement and creativity in the Zero Elk game was pretty in its early stages, right? Like, I, I remember when Heineken Zero launched, um, the people at DB brought over what they thought would be enough for the whole summer and it went in a couple of weeks, you know. So there was this latent um, d- desire for for this, but there weren't a lot of options in the local scene, right? How did you go about going, um, yeah, I'm going I'm to start my home brewery? How do you go about doing that? Well... We came back, uh, had five days uh, getting a, a rental, and then we went into lockdown. Um, so I was like, okay, well, we're used to this. So um, then I had a bit more time to think, well, what am I going to do here? Because <laughs> it was quite a process to sort of get out of Amsterdam in the end. Um, so then I thought, you know, do I, what kind of job do I want? Do I want to work? And beer, my kind of what I really wasn't into it. Um, and then I went out once we got out, and I went, yeah, there's Heineken. There wasn't really much else. And the best thing was wherever Heineken really launches, that's when Zero takes off. It doesn't take off until Heineken Zero launches. And if I come back to that craft sort of two four seven. It's exactly the same for zero zero alcohol. The New Zealand market was at one and a half percent when I got back um, two years ago. The technology wasn't ready in New Zealand though for craft to fully participate. So with zero beer, you need to pasteurise because alcohol is a natural preservative, and without alcohol, you have you, you have a live product which has got residual sugars, which can ferment or spoil and you don't want your zero beer turning into a not zero beer. That's a bit of a PR disaster. Mm. So there's only sort of two places in, in New Zealand that you can do it, Steam Brewing up here in Auckland and Bee Studio in uh, Napier. And um, I started talking to them and they were installing a pasteuriser in Napier in March 21. And I said, well, I'm going to start a zero alcohol brewery and the MD went well it's your money (laughs) 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 and uh, it's like create a brand new brand in the most complicated segment in the category most people think is totally shit the superpower I had though was belief because I believe it will 
get to 7%, 8%. It's mm. how long it takes is the question. I've, I just, it'll, it'll happen. We're just a couple of years behind the rest of the world at the moment. So uh, following that, um, I remember going to the butcher and told him I was going to do this. He said, well, what are you going to do for a real job? And I went, ah, oh, okay. So I might be onto something here. <laughs> and then the um, the next thing was, well, what are we – I mean, from a, from a marketeer's point of view, I had no problems with coming up with brand and packaging and that kind of stuff, but product. Um, I don't have a brewery. Um, and even doing small batches of brewery, uh, small batches, converting it to a 10,000-litre brew, shit, that's a that's a $40,000, like, bit of hope. Um, so I ended up um, yarning to a mate, Shannon Thorpe, who owns Fortune Favours in Wellington, and, and Dale, uh, the head brewer and, and, and part owner. I said, mate, this is what I want to do, um, but I need some help. So, yeah, we were able to find a, a brand new yeast um, that gave you all the beautiful characteristics in beer that you want, but only created 0.4% alcohol. So we we this is during lockdown, and we did some batches, and <laughs> it'd be currying like insulated riggers of beer uh, from Wellington to Auckland. We'd have a video conference. We'd do, you know, tastings together. I'd say, yep, this is what I'm looking for. And from a body, from a flavour, the staging of flavours, where the way that you add in beer during the brewing process, you taste in reverse. So what you add at the end of brewing, you taste at the at the beginning, so I'd give direction on the recipe and the in the stages. I'm no brewer, but I know how the ingredients work. And then we got to a point where we we're like, okay, so we've done our sort of 50 litre brews. Um, right, let's do 15,000 cans. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a really hard technical challenge as a brewer, isn't it? Like I remember we had Pete Gillespie from Garage Project on who um, – you know, it's kind of the brewer's brewer, right? Like people, yeah. <laughs> people rate him and um, lovely guy. And he was saying that his work on Tiny was one of the kind of like hardest but most rewarding projects that he had done as he relooked at his drinking for a while and um, was like, well, I don't want to step down. And to not step down uh, was an enormous challenge. It's a, the, the one thing to be clear and Pete, was really good to explain this as well. More brewing goes into brewing zero. Mm. It's not less. The old way of doing a zero, which is where some of the the yeah perceptions are incorrect, is you would brew a beer and then you would drop the temperature during fermentation and they would call it crash the ferment. You'd basically kill the active yeast fermenting and then you'd dilute the beer down. So no wonder it was mm. it was awful. It had no flavour. It was diluted. 
and um, and they didn't even get down to 0.5%. You know, a lot of those were your sort of 2% beers. Where the innovation has come is different brewers use different yeast, but the brewing process is the same. And for the independent beers like State of Play, like uh, Tiny from Garage Project, there's good ones from Sawmill, from Behemoth, from... Batch, uh, Batch is, yeah, a, is, a, yeah, is yeah. a beauty. They, they were one of the pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Good George. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all brewed to strength and it requires many iterations to get your 1% totally right. And that's why a really good zero is, is one that's been independently brewed if you want flavour. Because the other option, the Heineken Zero option, is an, is an extraction process. So they brew normal beer, then they go through an additional process of reverse osmosis or cold contact or uh, distillation, and they heat the beer up, they cook off the al- alcohol in a vacuum. Then they redose the beer again uh, to bring back the flavour and the body and the aromas. So two extra steps. And in New Zealand, then it's all imported in. Asahi Zero is actually even, doesn't even have yeast. It's a, it's a brewed soft drink. Um, so if you want a lager, if you want refreshment, you, Heineken Zero is incredible. If you want flavour to taste the beginning, middle and end of a beer, like you expect from a from an independently brewed beer, then go go natural. <laughs> yeah, and and like you know, you mentioned a bunch of you know uh, other great suppliers. A lot of them already had a base as brewers, right? They sold beer, and your take of coming in as a hundred percent non-alcoholic brewery, um, you know, you don't have that advantage of the existing relationships with the grocery and with, uh, you know, like yeah. outlets or bars. Um, you don't have the brand to, to call on, um, but you do have a, a stronger kind of purpose and conviction and, you, you know, point of difference, right? But you're starting from a zero, zero start. Um, <laughs> how do you go about, you know, like not, you know, not entirely, of course, because of your background, but how do you go about getting the category managers and the the gatekeepers in the industry to go, well, you know, there's a bunch of non-alcoholic beers I could take from these uh, existing players. How do you get into the game? The premium that people pay for craft beer is directly related to the amount of fame that that brand has. Garage Project, our most currently our most famous famous brand. We we brewed the same amount of beer in the same week back in March 2020. I got into four new worlds. They got national total national distribution. <laughs> and so it's taken me, yeah, just actually last week I got notification that um, IPA and Nectar on Pale were across all countdown stores. And that's huge for us. That's now we're 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 really playing in the game now. 
uh, my, I suppose I, the story I tell is I'm in zero a hundred percent. I believe it's going to get to this level. To have the authority to talk zero, I need to be a hundred percent. It is the br- it is me the brand, <laughs> and the when you hold a can of state of play. You aren't pretending to hold a beer with alcohol that just happens to be zero. You you're identifying as someone who's enjoying a zero, because all state of play beers are zero, and that's my medium to long game is that that will prevail. That being a hundred percent into this category, and everything I do is to improve it, to talk it, to reflect on my journey with alcohol to give others who may be in a similar position to assess their own state of play and go I could either I could either in, in, inject my thigh with these great new drugs from the states and lose weight at a thousand bucks a week or maybe I could make some changes myself mm. And I guess, you know, the distinction you make there of being, you know, a proudly, this is a drink that shows that I'm making the choice not to drink at the moment, is different than just a 0% from a big company. And AF Drinks, which is a company that we have a lot to do with at uh, my work, they're also doing a version of that, which is, it's a drink for when you're not drinking. It's not like a lesser version of the, um, the, 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 the full version. It's actually one that says, hey, I'm for whatever reason I want, choosing not to drink on this occasion or for however much I want to not want to drink. And that's cool. And that's my choice. And I've got agency. And the way that that brand does it is by kind of making it feel like it's, you're not missing out. It's big and it's cool and, you know, it's a really interesting choice and interesting people make this choice and it's a real matter of agency. And I think that seems to be one of the big things in the non-out category as well where it's like you've got this weird situation where if you say you're not drinking, the first thing people ask is what's wrong? Yeah. You know, when it should be the opposite, right? Like, oh, you're making a great choice not to poison yourself tonight. Good, good for you. <laughs> like, it's kind of bananas, right? Like, yeah, it is, totally. And, and yeah, it's so cool to see the, the work that you're doing to kind of like normalise and make it like a, a proud a proud choice for whatever reason. I want people to have the best beer experience that they can. I think that comes in a beer experience that doesn't have alcohol. So whether you are going out and you have a couple of full strength beers and then you go okay got to go now got to drive have a couple of state of plays enjoy yourself why are you having a beer are you actually having a beer to drink alcohol so that you then can't do a whole lot of things is that the reason you're drinking or is the reason you're drinking to have a great social moment shoot the shit have a chat. It's a great currency sharing a beer. You can't buy someone a beer in a bar or, or receive a beer in a bar and then not repay the favour. It's like the currency. It gives you a window, a special time to share a beer. So it should be about enjoying the beer. And that's what I loved about my time in Europe. It was about 
who you were with, not what you were drinking. And that's the shift that I've seen in the last year big time. When I first launched and I got a bit of a media um, about, you know, launching a new brewery, like it was so funny, some of the trolling. <laughs> like it was just so like what you would expect someone who is just totally doesn't want to even engage in the topic, you know. But the bright lights were those who then became clear. I So you're saying I actually have a choice now. And that's what stayed to play, you know, that I, I, I honestly think that we're on the right side of the rebellion. If you look at what's happening in the, from, from a global point of view, there's a reason Heineken spends 25% of its marketing budget on Heineken Zero. There's, there's a reason Anheuser-Busch thinks that zero is going to get to 30%. Like, they know it's, you know, it's, it's coming. And society is, is, is going to catch up real quite quick. And if I think about just the last one year in, in New Zealand, the change in the type of comments that I'm getting from a year ago to the ones I am now, it's night and day. Yeah, I think we're definitely in a, in a moment kind of like with smoking where it went from being totally normal for people to smoke in a car with like <laughs> their children in it. Yeah. Totally normal and totally normal to smoke in the workforce to then people understanding kind of the health and the you know the risks. And, you know, if you go into the European Union, there are warnings on your bottles yeah. saying this wine is a carcinogen. Uh, you know, like, but although we all know that alcohol is a carcinogen, yeah. we do a lot to avoid Paying attention to that information, right? <laughs> yeah, and it is that it <laughs> is that it is that social like clash that 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 fear of someone is going to say, "What's wrong with you?" You know, but, you know, what's your problem? And what I found when I first went out is is two things: we would have such a great time out because. It wasn't people repeating the same story 15 times. We actually got onto some new stuff. That by the end of the night, we were all drinking zeros because we were all having such a great time and no one wanted to leave. And the second one is when people are asking you, why did you stop? I was, I mean, I got interrogated because, yeah, I was, I was on the other side. I was the, I was the initiator in Grant 1.0 of, uh, Let's get on it. <laughs> um, but people are asking those questions and reflecting on themselves when they're asking those questions, big time. And um, what uh, probably surprised me is, is yeah, I'm not drinking because that's that's the decision that I've made. Most people that buy state of play still have alcohol. Mm-hmm. Massive majority, but they've added zeros into their portfolio, so it's it's just that those changes and that, that awareness now of actually what I'm putting in is in fact resulting in who I am and what I look like. Yeah, like even if it's like you know your Sunday through Thursday, um, swap out anything that would be alcohol for non-alcoholic. The changes you can make to your, uh, you know amount your body has to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> the habits you have in your life. Yeah, and the next sh- shift is is re- really if you want to commit 
um, drinking low-carb beer is not enough. Like, you're kidding yourself. So I, I actually read this book. There was this guy, Peter Fitzsimons. He was the uh, wallaby. Um, he, he he wrote this book, and it was the, gr- the Great Aussie Slim Down, it was called. And it was just so, like, Aussie straight talking. It hit me, like, he goes, men... Uh, motivation comes from progress. You need to commit. And you can't just commit partly. You need to, if you stop drinking, you'll lose 10 kgs. If if you eat better, and, and it's all bread and all the snacks, like if you eat better, there's another 10 kgs. If you exercise, there's another 10 kgs. And if you do all three, there's another 10 kgs. It exactly happened for me. 45 kgs in 45 weeks. And... Um, just because you're drinking low carb beer doesn't mean you can then that's a that's a debit. So credit yourself with a packet of crisps. Like if you're kind of going to go for it, you kind of got to you kind of do it. And more and more people are now realizing that if I want to be a corporate athlete or a physical athlete, it's you you, you need you need um, all those inputs sort of to work together. And and that that is also part of my story that. Um, the other benefit of, of zero alcohol beer is uh, it's very low in sugar, uh, 59 calories a can, a bit like AF drinks is, is a similar message. And the other thing is that when you don't have alcohol in your system, your body can just get on with the business of looking after your body, not processing, as you say, the toxin. Mm. What would your advice be for people wanting to make a new thing happen in the world? As, you know, that story you just told of the two years it took to get to national distribution, you know, that must be thousands of door knocks and dropping off six packs and following up with the buyer and, you know, building confidence in the market and, you know, doing local media and doing like just thousands of steps in order to create the confidence that people go from no to yes, right? Like, yeah, what what would your advice be for people wanting to kind of make something that isn't normal Normal. Well, it's a bit. It's a bit like my own personal journey. It wasn't going to happen in two weeks. It's taken three years. Um, the beer business is also broken into two yearly blocks. I've I've achieved the goals I set up in terms of range and distribution ahead of time. That's good. That means the market's growing even faster than what I thought. The conviction also comes from, you know, it's personal. So when when it's your belief and you you are as much as the brand as what it is you're trying to sell, it's quite motivating. Um, also the fact that it's washing its face, the business revenue is going in the right way, the signals are clear in terms of growth, we're in the only, like in your introduction, the only growth segment in beer. Then um, it's pretty clear to that we're on the right track. That's awesome. And as a final thought, Grant, like what will success be for you personally in kind of Grant 2.0, right? And then also um, for State of Play. Yeah, well, I'm just literally having the time of my life at the moment. Uh, I... I really think the best years are ahead of me, not behind. And I feel in control 
in the decisions I'm making. And my wife and I um, and family, maybe because we've been a little bit on the sort of Heineken carousel, we do plot things out in three-year secondments, a bit like a company strat plan. (laughs) We have the same version at home. And we've come to the end of the get back to New Zealand. So now we're in a another little phase, so that's exciting, uh, especially with kids leaving school and a bit of a change in the in in, in the nest. Um, from a state of play point of view, the goal has always been that across New Zealand, everywhere there is a beer, there needs to be a good zero available and offered. So whether it's my beer or Anyone else's, I don't care. I think that with good choice comes amazing change, but it needs to be available. The product is not in question, the, the, the quality of what we've got here. Uh, really getting to the podium of brands by the time the zero section segment gets to 4%, which it will, is is the next big milestone. That's the next big decision point for the brand, because at that point there is how big how big do we want this to be, and how how does the size of that business then meet with my personal needs at at that stage? I um, I'm really happy with the portfolio. We've got three beers that meet as many occasions drinking occasions with as few skews as possible. So now it's just about maxing out. And yeah, the last three weeks, all I've been doing is is on top of trying to uh, work on distribution, is 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 just cost cost and value to try and um, get the bottom line working as hard as the top line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man! I can't wait to see where you take it next. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. That's Grant Gaunter of State of Play, Kelda. So thank you to Grant, thank you to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave us a review if you like what we do. Enohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.